but let's go to the study of God's Word. And as we go to the study of God's Word, how many have you this last Sunday? For what reason? Okay, a few. I want to catch you up because we had a tremendous study last week. Now, let me start you from the bottom there, left-hand side, and we'll go up. Last week, I started our study by giving us three or four minutes, and I was quiet, and I said, I want you all to write down what are the four most important things you do every day in your walk with God. Now, for, for you that are not here, you need to do that. Or at least you need to think, what are the three or four most important things you do in your walk with God every day? Now, during the week, I praise the Lord that we have with a lot of our folks, a very vulnerable, humble, sharing, just wherever we are, we just talk about it. And so many just said, you know, Pastor, as you said, write down three or four the most important things. I realized I don't have three or four important things. In fact, as I sat there and kind of thought, what do I write down? I thought, you know what I do so often is I just think about my past. And that sure doesn't help you, does it? Or several said, Pastor, I found myself, I just think of my problems every day. I just get up, and that's why I worry and I'm anxious. I just think about my problems. That doesn't help me at all. Or I just think of the pain I'm going through. And so last week, different persons said, you know, I finally got this one piece of the puzzle. That phrase was actually used, and that was the inspiration. This 69-year-old man that I met, this man is a very successful man, a very wealthy man, a very recognized man, an educated man, a leader in the state of Arkansas. And when I first started talking to him, I said, tell me your story. He had just memorized this little phrase, well, I was saved at the age of nine. I said, well, tell me what that means in your life. Well, I'm a hardworking, I try to be a good man. I believe in God. I said, well, what do you know about the Word of God? Oh, I don't know anything about the Word of God. But you know what? He was doing the best he knew how. And most all Christians he knows are just like him. Gallup says that less than 10% of people in the church know anything about God's Word. But they've learned to say, I was saved. I'm a Christian. I belong to the church. Well, see, he needed some pieces of the puzzle put together, didn't he? Well, then I told you, after I gave you time to write down, just move on that page. Do I need to go to another mic? If it's a short out, I don't want that to distract us. I'll give it one more shot. Then I gave you the four most important things God has taught me. And here's what I do every day. Come rain, come shine, trouble, come success, come busyness, come my day off, come this day of my life. I do these four things every day. 
And just right above there, I must humble myself to do these four things. I humbly submit myself if I don't want to fail. So first things first, I submit my life. Lord, I don't care how I feel about it. I don't care what my circumstances are. I submit my life to the authority of your word. It is perfect. It is flawless. It thoroughly equips me for everything in life. Secondly, I need the power then to live that out. So I surrender my life to his presence. If you've asked truly Christ in your life by faith and repentance, the Holy Spirit lives in your life. But the Bible says he can live in your life, but you can still live resistant to him. That's called carnal-minded, worldly-minded. It's called backslidden. It's called living beneath your presence. And so I say, Lord, I'm your presence. I am dead and you are alive. That's the only way I'll have the power to your authority. And then third, I settle the issue. I'm yours. I don't care if I'm in a group and people are ashamed of you. I'm not going to be ashamed of you. I don't care if the popularity votes going from the contrary to the word. Lord, I'm yours. If that costs me my life. See, that's what causes people to be martyrs. They've settled the issue. I don't care what the pressure is. I am the Lord's. I'm not a fair-weather Christian. I am the Lord's. And then last... When I do those three things, God gives me such a passion for what he loves, and he loves people, I share Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the power of the gospel that's in me. I share Jesus. Now, as I share Jesus, I share with hard ground, rocky ground, thorny ground. Yesterday I was in a setting, I started sharing with a lady, and she says, oh, I know all about that. Well, I could tell she was resenting that I was saying, has anyone ever told you how much Jesus loves you? Instead of rejoicing with me, she wanted me to know she knew all about that. Well, I was with in this crowd for about an hour, and by the time we got through, we kept going and found out she had gone through a divorce. She had moved here from Illinois. She didn't know anything about that. She lived here three years and a half and didn't even have a church to go to. And hopefully, she'll be here today. She said, we'll come. I met another lady. She told me she got saved the Baptist church when she was 12 and then as we continued the conversation found out she's living with a guy see I want you to know in America we're so confused nearly everyone thinks they're a Christian but they haven't put the pieces of the puzzle together then I showed you last week what Gary Smalley shared with me when Gary Smalley was here for our passionate love conference he's 71 years old this guy just go on the web, GarySmalley.com. He's had 16 number one best-selling books. He's been on TV, sold over 5 million tapes and books. And God's used him mightily to speak hundreds of profound truths. Well, I just have a habit. When I have someone that's my age or older, I ask them this question. If God's worked mightily in their life, I, t I say, tell me the three or four most important things you've done in your life. And here are the four things that Gary said. He said, you know, when God was working so mightily in and through my life, and everyone was calling me one of the greatest Christian speakers in the world, I was never more backslidden. 
You know, God can work mightily in and through a horse if he wants to. And Gary said, my marriage was a mess. My children were a mess. And God came to me and said, buddy, you better understand first things first. You better think what you really are apart from me, nothing. And I've just chosen by my grace to speak and work in and through your life. But you better think every day. And he said, Phil, the first and most important thing I do every day is I thank humility. Because God cannot teach me anything or bless me in any way unless I'm humble. Because God what? Opposes the proud. And then as I thank humility every day, look there. He uses the word honor for love. You know, we're told to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and after that, to love our neighbor as ourselves. So he said, loving is simply honoring, because honoring is putting high value. So I honor God in people more than pleasure and things. And he said, if I don't choose intentionally every day to do that, my old sinful flesh falls to possessions and, and, uh, and pleasure. So I choose, I'm going to love you first, God. And then you see this number three. He said, I've learned in my life every day someone's going to frustrate me. Have you figured that out yet? Unless you're sick throwing up and you're in a room and no one's around. And then probably your spouse will frustrate you because either they do or don't do what you want them to do. So life is just a, a thing that it's easily to be frustrated. And what are the three reasons we get angry? Frustration hurt and fear. So he said, every day before the day even starts, before I get out of bed, I just say, Lord, today I choose to keep anger as low and forgiveness as high as I possibly can. I don't give myself the right to stay angry. I may be angry for a moment, but I know God says be angry, but do not sin. So I just, I give it to God. Well, see, you can't give the things that hurt you or frustrate you to God unless you're submitted to His authority or surrendered to His presence or settled that you're His. And then last, he said, I rejoice in my suffering because I've learned to see how God uses suffering in my life. He uses it to let me see how needy I am for Him. And He's sovereign God, so I praise Him in the midnights of life. So he said, I've learned now, when I'm suffering, instead of complaining and having a pity party or a panic attack, I just go, yay, God! Isn't that good? Now, as I say those things to you, one husband came to me that he and his wife have been talking divorce ever since I've known them. That's about 10 or 11 years. And at different times, they'll even call me up. Sometimes wake me up just because they want to throw up on me because they know I'll tell them the truth. No, you're not going to divorce. You know, no, you're not going to do this. You need to just humble yourself. And I'll talk to your spouse tomorrow, you know. And I'm sorry I woke you up. You know, when they call me at 11 o'clock at night and say, what are you doing? I say, I'm sleeping. I got to get up at 520 in the morning. You ought to come to Bible study so you'd go to bed too. But this one spouse said last week, the other spouse was mad and they didn't come to church. And this one spouse said, 
Pastor, I put a piece of the puzzle together today. I realized it does not matter how my spouse responds to me. If I'll just do these important things, submit, surrender, and keep my anger, I can just be kind and tender-hearted to them instead of letting my anger level go so high. I thought, I've said that to you 2,026 times, but on that Sunday, he got it. And isn't that how life is? So I told him, you're the inspiration for the visual today. We're going to have fun today, but we're going to learn, hopefully, some profound truth. So I need someone that's really good at putting a puzzle together. Is anyone here real good at putting a puzzle together? My wife, if she were here, I could get her up here. Who's really good at a puzzle? Now, are you being an honorary husband? Your wife has just hit you twice, and you keep pointing to her. Do I have any... That, do you want to come up here and try this puzzle? Come on. Come on up here. How old are you? You're 13. And you're really good at this? Okay, come on up here. Now, this is a 2,000-piece puzzle. Okay, here it is. And I've never taken a piece out. Miss Ronnie got this for me. So we'll just spread them out like this. And sugar, you just start putting the puzzle together, okay? And we'll check with you at the end. Okay, there you go. Now, while he tries to do that, you guys all have your piece of puzzle, right? Don't lose that yet. Keep that piece of the puzzle. Now, that, your piece doesn't belong in that. That is a genuine 2,000. I've never taken one piece out till right then. I just opened the box yesterday. But we're going to talk about, and you're going to fill in the answers. That is just common sense keys to putting a puzzle together. And then I'm going to take that common sense key to putting a puzzle together, and I'm going to give you a profound principle of how to put your spiritual walk together. Because, see, that's how I spend every day of my life. People wanting to do the best they know how, but whether it's in their marriage or in their parenting, their personal life, they struggle in putting the pieces of the puzzle together. And I'm going to let you see this morning why. So first things first, just look at Roman numeral 1. To put the pieces together... In a puzzle, first, we must know the what. You give the simple key, and then I'll give you the spiritual truth. We must know the what. Why is he not going to make much progress over here? What does he not have that you must have to put a puzzle together? He needs the picture. And just right in there, the picture we must know, number one, under Roman numeral one, the Creator's design, right? See, I've got the picture right here. Now, if you can't see that, they even in the box 
give a bigger picture. And to put this puzzle together, you would need to lay this down, and you can see the different colors, and you start sorting out the different colors, the sky colors, the border colors. Yeah, a border has a straight edge. My wife even said, you want me to get one where there's no edge? And I said, well, don't be that ugly. But that's what you do, right? But you don't need that. You don't need that, do you? Yes, you do. You know what the Bible is, folks? The Bible is the box top. It's the Creator's design for you to put your life together. And every one of you that you wonder why your pieces don't fit in your life, in your marriage, in your parenting, in temptations, is because you just say, well, I'll just come to church and hear you, Pastor. I just do not understand it. In fact, Dave Jenkins said a few weeks ago, uh, raise your hand, Dave, so they know who you are, buddy. Dave came up to me. We had an incredible, God just moved in our men's Bible study. It was so profound. And there were men confessing and men just saying, yeah, yeah, that's so good. Dave came up to me afterward and said, Pastor, I don't get it. Why isn't every man in this church in a men's Bible study? I don't get it. I said, sugar, I don't get it either. It's the Word of God. It's in the fellowship of loving men, humble men. We love each other. We laugh with each other. We rejoice with each other. Sometimes we cry with each other. We stand with each other. When guys say, I'm ready to quit, we're there to encourage one another. It is so incredible. I don't get it. I don't get it why as husbands and, and, and wives, we don't share the Word of God with each other. I don't get it that we don't have that as the most important thing that's just overflowing out of our life to our children because it's the box top. And, and so I just say to you, and again, don't let the devil condemn you on this. This is to let you see, aha, I don't have to keep living like I'm living. I got to have the box top. Can you imagine a smart man? This was a smart man I was dealing with. He's 69 years old. He's on some of the most powerful committees and business groups. He's the lead guy for the guy running for attorney general in Arkansas. I mean, this is a smart man. But when I ask him, what do you know about the Bible? And he's been calling himself a Christian for 60, 50 years almost. No, 60 years. He says, I know nothing about the Bible. He's been trying to put his life together most of his life without the box top. I ask you today, how many of you are in the Word of God every day? Don't raise your hand. How many of you are in a men's or women's Bible study? How many of you are in a youth Bible study? How many of you are in a care group? Why do we do all these things? Box top. 
any of you to have your hand down. And I would say to you, would you come to me and explain why? Because I know you want to love the Lord. I know you want to know the Lord or you wouldn't be here in church. I don't get it. I know what I I hear I don't just have time. I hear I've been hurt with people and I don't want to be hurt again. We all have time for what's important to us, don't we? Well, sugars, write it in, 1A. Until we are living the Creator's design, okay, sugars, let's give up on this one. I know you've been trying hard up there. We'll make adjustments during services. So I'll turn it off. Kirk's. See, Colossians. Colossians. Turn me down. Colossians 1, 16 to 18. Until we are living the Creator's design, we are not going to put it together. We often quote Colossians 1, 16, but I wanted to take us two more verses. Let's read that together. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Now look at that last verse. It's your memory verse, verse 18, where it says, He is the head of the body, the church. So until I learn to submit to let him be the head, I'm not going to put the pieces of the puzzle together. He is the beginning, and of course Jesus is not beginning because Jesus is God and there's no beginning with God. But he's talking about our salvation, our life. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead, just like Jesus is not just the firstborn from the dead because remember, he called Lazarus from the dead. But that word firstborn, figuratively speaking, means supremacy. It means highest honor. So it's really saying it double. He is supreme and that in everything he might be supreme, preeminent. And until you learn the box top, until you learn that it's in Christ and only in Christ you will hold together, your puzzle will always be falling apart. See, right down in those two blanks, let me give you the definition of puzzled. I looked it up in two different, in the Webster's Dictionary and the New College Dictionary, and here's what puzzled means. To be uncertain as to action 
or choice. To be uncertain as to action or choice. That is, when you're puzzled, you never quite know what to do. So we fall to temptation. We worry and trouble. We stay angry when we're out of control. And that's called perplexed. It goes on and uses these synonyms. Confused, bewildered, distracted, dumbfounded. That's a terrible way to live your life, isn't it? Well, go to number two there. You tell me, to put a puzzle together, first we must know the Creator's design. Second, we have to see. What do you have to see? What's he having trouble seeing? How the parts fit together. We have to see how the parts fit. Okay, buddy. I'm going to let you see how the parts, because you're getting frustrated over there. There it is. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Now, by the way, think of this puzzle. It's dumbfounded, it's bewildered, it's perplexed, and yet here is the beautiful picture it is. However your life is today, no matter how dumbfounded, bewildered, upset what you think it is, God wants you to have a beautiful life. But you got to know the box top. If you're living without the Word, you shouldn't be surprised. See, write it in, 2A. Until we humble ourselves before God and others, we are not going to see how the parts fit. That's why Gary Smalley says first things first. I think humility every day. See 1 Peter chapter 5, 5 and 6. Let's read that together. Likewise you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time He may exalt you. You know, there were a bunch of people that came from Texas this week that are in Matt's church in Arlington, Texas. And uh, a wife and a bunch of teenagers came one day, and the man who's a big executive and a leader in this church, he couldn't come until Thursday afternoon. These others came Tuesday. Well, trying to be a gracious host, because this family was staying in our home, because they've done many special things for Matt and Lauren, I offered, I said, let's, let's go out to dinner. And so the wife was busy with the kids, so it ended up just being the husband and me. We hadn't been seated five minutes till he said, Pastor, I need to talk to you about something. And here he's torn up because in his home, he loves God with all of his heart. 
His wife loves God with all of her heart. There are four teenagers. One's uh, already in college, but the three girls at home love the Lord with all their heart. But you know what they're struggling with? Being humble to each other. And humbled to God. Is that uncommon? Not at all. Did you know it does not matter how long you've been in church, how long you say you've been a Christian? If you don't think humility to begin every day and throughout the day, did you know you will not learn anything of God? Today, if we, no matter what we would teach on, if it would happen to be an area where you'd say, I struggle in this area, you know why you have never learned of God if you've been in church a long time? Because God opposes the proud. He will never teach a rebel anything. That's why Gary Smalley has said, of all the things I could say is most important in my life, I thank humility every day. Because God's not going to do anything in my life. He loves us because God is love. But He's not going to teach you anything if you're not humble before Him. Because there is only one God. And see, until we humble ourselves before God and others. Now, sweeties, I don't want this to burn, but it might. But get ready. It's kind of like you have a deep cut, and maybe I'm doctoring my little grandbaby, and I know this is going to bring healing. I know it's going to bring cleansing, but I know there's going to be that just little bit of burn. So I say, now, baby... This is going to hurt just a little bit, but it's really good for you. And they trust Grandpa, and I hold their hand, and I hold them. So let me just hold you. This is going to burn just a second, but it's for your good. I know, because so many have shared with me for 42 years, the reason why some of you refuse to get into a group with others is you've been hurt before. And you don't want to be hurt again. But you know why you don't want to be hurt again? That's pride. You say, I've never thought of that. Well, just think about it a little bit. Because, see, when you're humble, if you get hurt, you just forgive. If you get hurt, you just persevere. If you get hurt, you just love. You get hurt, you just pray. And what I just said to you, I've said to a lot of pastors that have quit the ministry because people hurt them. And I've said, you, you're, not, you're not quitting the ministry because someone hurts you. You're quitting the ministry because you're not humble. That's why Jesus said in Philippians 2, 5, let this attitude which was in Christ be in you. And what is that? The attitude of humility that he even died but he didn't quit. See, let's go to number three. See, puzzles, it is a lot of what? Just look at this little guy up here. It's a lot of what? Work. It's a lot of work, and it requires great focus and attention. It's kind of hard to really give focus to this with me teaching and talking, isn't it? 
It's kind of hard to get focused when you know a whole bunch of people are staring at you, right? See, right in number A, until we start doing our work, we will stay puzzled. Remember? Confused, bewildered, distracted, perplexed. We'll stay puzzled until we start doing our work. You say, our work? I thought we're saved by grace through faith. That's the work of Christ. Yes, you are. But look what Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13 says. Let's read it together. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. See, once you get saved by grace through faith, we're to work it out. How do you work it out? Just write these two words down. Spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines says each day I will intentionally, priority choose to humble myself before God. I will intentionally choose to spend time in the Word of God, not to just read it, but to say, God, do surgery in my life. I will intentionally choose, Lord, to be connected with others. And it's called a care group. It's called a men's Bible study. It's called a women's Bible study. Because I need their encouragement. I need to hear what God's doing in them. I will stop being the single puzzle that never will get to see God's big picture. I will start submitting to the authority of your word. And whatever it says, I do it. It's a spiritual discipline. And God uses all of these things, just like working out physically in your body, gets you equipped physically. If you say, well, that sounds like work. You're right. And that's the scriptural principle. Write this little sentence down. I heard Chuck Swindoll say it when I was 33 years old. He was preaching to a bunch of preachers, and, and that was really at the height when Chuck Swindoll, all of his books were number one sellers, and he was a celebrity. He said, young men, let me tell you what may be the greatest scheme the devil hurls against you young preachers. And I quote him, There will always be a lot of urgent things screaming for your attention. There will always be a lot of urgent things screaming for your attention. The important things only scream in crisis the important things only scream in crisis what did he mean he said every day in your life you're gonna have the urgent you're gonna have your work you're gonna have your ministry 
You're going to have your sermon preparation. You're going to have Bible study preparation. You're going to have church administration. You're going to have counseling. You're going to have all of these things. You're going to even have a house to repair and bills to pay. And those are all good and urgent things. And they'll always be screaming, you don't have time to be alone with God. You don't have time to hide His Word in your life. You don't have time to be a part of a group and have accountability and encouragement in your life. You don't have time to pray with your wife. After all, you've got to reach the world for Christ. You don't have time to pray with your children and teach them the Word of God because you've got to reach the world. And by doing the urgent instead of the important, when the crisis come, you will fall apart. Very profound. See, go to number four. So far we've seen in putting a puzzle together, we must know the Creator's design. And until we are living the Creator's design, we are not going to put life together. Second, we have to know how the parts fit. And until we humble ourselves daily, we're never going to put the parts together. It is a lot of work. It's called spiritual disciplines. Until we start doing it, doing our part, we stay puzzled. And four, we are all encouraged greatly by what? Help. Would anyone like to come help this young man? Well, you're a loving, caring fellowship. Come on up here, Sherry. How many pieces do you have together, sugar? Two. You need help. Because I think that puzzle has 2,000 pieces. Now, you know what? Just to have Sherry come up here does what to you? It encourages you. Did you know that the Bible says we are not to forsake coming together so that we can first what? Learn the Word of God? No. So that we can first what? Praise the Lord? No. So that we can first pray together? No. It says we should not forsake ourselves coming together so we can what? Be encouraged. Now, I want you to know, this Friday, now a lot of things have to happen this week. But this Friday, we've got planned to have final inspection in the new building. Now, I'll clap Friday, Holly, after it. There's a lot of things that have to happen this week. But it is coming close if it doesn't happen this Friday. But I want you to know, we've already decided as elders, when we get in the new building, we're going to have first service in the chapel. We're hoping that somehow when we get you guys closer together, you're going to decide to connect. See, we had a death yesterday. Ron Moeller died yesterday. I told you that. And you know what? The blessing for his family is he is very connected. His family is very connected. So he's going to be loved. In fact, last night, Miss Edie said, I don't know what I'm going to do with all this food. They must think 
I'm going out to feed the poor. They've piled it on me. It's already just coming. I said, Miss Edie, you know, that's because they love you. You know, a lot of people die and they don't have anyone. See, we all need to get encouraged and help. But some of you, the moment this service is on, you ought to be in the Olympics. You run out of this place so quick, I've tried to catch you for years. Unless I get out there for a pray, you're already gone. When you die and I announce we're going to have so-and-so's funeral, they won't even know who you are. And we'll say, oh, they were in first service for 17 years. Well, I don't know who they are. See, notice this next scripture. We looked at it about six months ago. Until we are willing to do it God's way. And what is God's way? And just right above that, getting help. See, until we are willing to do it God's way, belong and be connected in the body. We are going to stay disconnected to the big picture. We're going to just stay this single piece. And you'll never get to see how your piece fits. That's why once you're saved to God, you belong to a people. Now I want us to look at 1 Corinthians 12, 14 to 27. And I counted, so you don't have to count. You can to check me. But in these 14 verses that we're going to read, 17 times the word body appears. So if you want to know what this is about, it's about I belong to the body. Let's read it together. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, I can hardly see this. Can you see it, folks? Keep the going. Giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. See, just write these three common excuses down. I'm not being connected to the body. Number one excuse, I think, would be, I'm talking in the Christian community today, I don't have time. Number two, common excuse, I don't trust people. Number three, I've been hurt. If you allow those three to continue in your life, you will never see God's incredible purpose He had for you that can only be fulfilled by being connected in the body. And then fill in number five. See, putting a puzzle together requires a lot of what? Time, patience, and perseverance. Doesn't that sound like life? It takes time to grow in the Lord. 
It takes patience. It takes abiding under pressure. That's the word hupomeno, perseverance. See, write it in 5a. Until we learn and live this lesson of maturity, have you ever seen a two or four year old that values time? No. They want everything now. How about a teenager? Have you ever seen a patient teenager when you say, no, you can't have a car right now? Do they say, you know, Dad, I believe in delayed gratification. I really want to be mature in life. I don't want to think I need to throw a fit every time I don't get what I want when I want. Not too many I've ever known. I didn't have any patient teenagers. Well, see, it's a lesson that we all struggle with. But until we learn that lesson, we never get to see what God was going to do in us and through us. See, that's why throughout the Word, and I could have given you a whole lot more, but I knew we'd be out of time. But look at 1 Corinthians 15, 58. It says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, always knowing that in your the Lord, your labor is not in vain. That's for all of you that feel like quitting. And let us not grow weary, Galatians 6, 9, of doing good. Why? We all grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And how do we run? Do we run with love? Yeah. Do we run with prayer? Yeah. Do we run with joy? Yes. Do we run with His peace? Yes. Of all the things it could have said, it says, let us run with endurance. That is, when everything in your feelings and circumstances say, quit, you keep running. Well, Miss Sherry, how are we doing now? We got 10 pieces. Now think of that. Look what a little help did. Just imagine if I had this whole table filled with helpers. See, that's what care groups about. That's what Bible study groups about. That's what about just do it tonight's all about. It's saying, let me help you. But you have to be humble to say, I need help. You know, I've found in life that's one of the hardest things. In fact, it's impossible for pride to say, I need help. How many of you need help this morning? I need help. Yeah, not all of us lifted our hand. Isn't it amazing how that's hard to say? It is, and it's even harder now. That was a group. That should have been a no-brainer because everyone's doing it. I can raise my hand. How, how many of you that's hard to say in your family? The husband would go, yeah, okay. I wasn't even expecting you to raise your hand. Yeah, it's, it's hard for husbands to go to their wife and say, honey, I need help. You know how sweet my wife is. She's precious. She'll do anything for anyone. She is a servant of servants. But you know what she's really good in? She's really good in puzzles. She'd say, guys, move over. I'll knock this out. 
What she's really good in, I've never met anyone better. She's good in navigation. And of course, I can get lost in our fruit closet. I'm horrible. So all my life, she tells me where to, where to go. Even the second or third time we went to my hometown where she'd never been before, I'd grown up there. I'd lived there 10 years in a small town. She was telling me where to turn on my street to go to my home. I said, honey, I got this one. Oh, I'm sorry, dear. But I mean, she's just there, and I'm glad she's there for me. But you know, she's so good in that. You know what's hard for her? When we are occasionally lost in a city we've never been, I'll say, here, let me just pull in here and ask this guy. No, just keep going here. She does not like to ask for help. She's worse than any man I've ever known. Because she's good in that, and she knows, I can figure this out. Just give me a little time. You know what that is? That's the human nature. The Bible calls it the flesh. The Bible calls it the sinful nature. Well, we're out of time. I want to do something as we close today. First of all, don't lose these notes. Take them home, put them in your sock drawer. Because they're just simple, common sense things, but they have profound spiritual truth. And you know what? I want you to put it together. Better yet, God saved you to put it together. But you're never going to put it together by just attending service if you don't put these principles into action. This week, I'll know if we heard this message, you know, the Bible says don't just hear it and deceive yourself, just do it. I'll know we heard this message if we have an incredible increase in people coming to Bible studies. Right? Now, we're about to go to school this week. If you're in Rockwood School District, you're going to go back to school. I know we have some Westminsters here. I don't know when you go back. I know Living Water is a few weeks, but we need to do it now because some of our college students already left this week, so we really should have done this last Sunday, and I apologize for that. I'd like for every parent and every child, whether it's first grade through college, if you're going to school in this week or the coming weeks, would you come up here? Just come on to the front. And we're going to pray over you. And what we're going to do, we're going to focus on you, but we're going to pray over the rest of us that whatever you're struggling with in your puzzle of life, you'll put the pieces together. And students, I want you to have a time where you talk to mom and dad that in all the challenges of school this year, make sure you don't neglect putting the puzzle together, your life. So one of the things I encourage you all to do is pray together every day. Every day, talk about God's Word every day. Just apply these principles in your life. And you know, with your cell phone, you're down at Mizzou. You can text every day. Every day. And if you guys are trying to live your life without a lot of help, get help. That's our structure of care groups and Zoe Bible study groups. Stay connected. By the way, Ethan, come here. Ethan, did you trust Jesus to be your Lord and Savior this week? 
Amen. Let's give this little guy a great big hand. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Well, go back to your daddy there. Let's just take each other's hand. If you guys can kneel, just kneel down there. And then, this is for all the rest of us. I just want to give a special word of encouragement. Let's pray together. Church family, God loves you. I love you. And God wants us all to walk in victory. And to His honor and glory, put the puzzle of our spiritual walk together. Father, we just thank you for your truth that sets us free. And Father, I thank you for every person in this room. And they're that, that single little piece of the big picture of your kingdom's work and of West County Community Church that you brought here to be a part. But Lord, we just thank you for your stirring in each of our hearts wherever we struggle. This morning, we just went through these principles. We can just see we're not applying that in our life. And help us to see, Father, we don't have to keep living like we've been living if it's beneath your promises. And I just thank you that we who are before you would right now say, Father, I don't want to just hear the truth. I'm going to overcome my fear of my past. I want to live in the power of your truth and walk in your freedom, walk in your abundance, walk with your joy and peace, live out your purpose in my life. Father, we thank you. You are faithful to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We thank you. You're the God of new beginnings. And so, Lord, we just give ourselves fresh and new to you. Yesterday is yesterday. Today is today. And we start this day and every day this school year. Lord, humbling ourselves before you. Submitting ourselves to your authority. Surrendering our lives to your presence. Settling the issue, we are yours. And then out of the power of the Holy Spirit, sharing Jesus with others. And we just thank you for doing just as we sang today, exceeding abundantly above anything that we could imagine, because God is able. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, sweeties, we're going to let that be our closing prayer. And what I'm going to do, just let me walk out first. I'll go to the Welcome Center, and all of you that can sign up for a dish arc that can help, just come follow me. The rest of you, if you can't be a part of that, greet one another. And uh, let's live in the truth of Jesus Christ. God bless you. I love you.